last week, we read the first part of Luke's Sermon on the Plain. Luke's version of Matthew's famous Sermon on the Mount, where Matthew's Beatitudes are poetic, Luke's Beatitudes are prophetic. Luke does not pull any punches. With Luke's blessings and curses, Jesus inverts our expectations with regard to happiness and satisfaction. Now, this week, Jesus is at it again. He is challenging us to think and act and feel differently. Love your enemies. Luke really hammers this concept home. In Luke, Jesus repeats that phrase, love your enemies. He repeats it and expands upon it. Love your enemies, do good to those who hate you, bless those who curse you, pray for those who abuse you. This is not easy work. It is not common sense. It is not common place. It is counterintuitive. But Jesus is teaching us one of the most valuable lessons of life. He is teaching us How to break the cycle. As most of you know, I have three boys, two of whom are of fighting age. (laughs) (laughs) They are three and five, the elders. Um, You've seen this happen in this very room. One boy will be playing with a toy. Another wants it. He sees it, says, that looks good. The first doesn't want to share. Someone yells at someone. Someone yells back. Someone throws something. Or maybe worse, is a vicious, escalating spiral of preschool aggression. It reminds me of that movie War Games from the 80s. Have you guys remember that movie? Hopefully some of you who were not around during that time have seen this movie. It's, uh, it's, it's incredible. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Um, for those of you who have never known a time before the internet, it might seem crazy to see a movie uh, that depicts some, uh, what we thought personal computers were capable of at, a, at the time. It's pretty, pretty incredible. And for those of you who did not grow up in the Cold War, it will be hard to relate to the sense of urgency in the film. This movie reflects an everyday anxiety that people of all ages experienced at that time. The real and present possibility that life on earth could cease because someone pressed a button. Back to the film, though. The gist of the film is that there's this high school kid 
who loves video games. He loves video games so much that he like hacks into different places to try to get free video games. I actually used to do this as a kid. <laughs> Confession time for the priest. Uh, but uh, he hacks into the defense department and finds a game simulator. That game sim- simulator has this like digitized voice box, which delivers one of the classic lines in all the film. Shall we play a game? <laughs> Do you guys remember? If you don't know what I'm talking about, it, that was a horrible impression, but you should check it out. It's, it's, a, it's, it's, a, it's a good movie. It really is a good movie. But the simulator lists out several games, like chess and tic-tac-toe and the good old American classic, Global Thermonuclear War. Of course, the teenager chooses the latter, which nearly starts a real war. Eventually, after much drama, there's a, a, ser- a scene in which the computer is trying to go through and understand the best way to play this game. It plays out scenarios, and they're just flashing back and forth, and suddenly you know, it gets into this crazy like crescendo of, of computer-ness. And... Uh, <laughs> and Eventually, the computer learns that no one can win global thermonuclear war. It learns that the only way to win is not to play. That's the lesson Jesus is teaching us today. He's teaching us to break the cycle, to break the cycle of violence and addiction and abuse, to change the narrative of hurt. I've talked about this phrase here before. Hurt people hurt people. Have you heard that? Hurt people hurt people. People, meaning those who hurt have likely been hurt themselves, right? This is something fundamental to family systems theory in psychology. According to family systems theorist Dr. Murray Bowen, a family is a system in which each member has a role to play and rules to respect. Members of the system are expected to respond to each other in certain ways according to their role, which is determined by relationship agreements. And within the boundaries of the system, patterns develop as certain family members' behavior influences the behavior of other family members in predictable ways. We all know that that's what a family is, but it's a little different when you start to break it apart. Bowen identifies eight interlocking, interlocking concepts to describe how family systems works. Things you've probably heard of either here or elsewhere, things like triangulation, birth order, emotional cutoff. And then there are concepts that we don't talk about as often, like multi-generational transmission, and self-differentiation. Yes, we've talked about self-differentiation before, but not in this light. In his book, Generation to Generation, rabbi and psychologist uh, Edwin Friedman describes self-differentiation as the ability to make, take maximum responsibility for one's destiny and emotional being. 
with regard to multi-generational transmission of habits, this passing on of behavior from generation to generation, self-differentiation is the capacity to maintain a non-anxious presence in the midst of an anxious system. A non-anxious presence in the midst of an anxious system. In other words, the process of self-differentiation is the means through which an individual stops responding to the things that would trigger behavior within their family system. Things that would trigger violence, things that would trigger addiction, things that would trigger abuse. By differentiating the self from the system, the individual ends the cycle. However, the work does not end there. Friedman points out that differentiation means the capacity to be an I while remaining connected. We do not simply remove ourselves or isolate ourselves permanently from the relationships that have harmed us. We reform connection. We love our enemies, do good to those who hate us, bless those who curse, pray for those who abuse. We don't build walls. We don't bury the history of abuse. We learned to self-differentiate. Their hatred is not my hatred. Their violence is not my violence. Their mistakes will no longer be my mistakes. We have seen this transformative love at work in the nonviolence of Gandhi and King. It is as true for nations as it is for churches and families. As true here in IV in 2019 as it was 2,000 years ago in Palestine. Love your enemies. Be merciful just as God is merciful. Mercy, compassion, or forgiveness shown towards someone whom it is within one's power to punish or harm. Our little three-month-old baby, Amos, is sick. I know. He has a cough that has robbed him of his sweet little voice. His cries in the night are just little wheezes right now. It's so sad. Poor little guy. When I hear him in the night, I pray for healing. I pray for comfort. I pray for mercy. Mercy for a child who is sick. It is that same mercy for which I pray for my enemies. A prayer for the sick. 
prayer for hurt people who hurt people. Prayer for a brother or a sister who is stuck in a cycle of hurt, violence, illness, stuck in a system of racism, sexism, xenophobia, and fear. The prayer is the merciful teaching of one whose enemies beat him, belittled him, and killed him. The mercy that died, mercy resurrected, mercy eternal. Mercy that knows no end. It is a love like family, like father, like mother, son, daughter. An urgent love that can transform the narrative, flip the script, and bring mercy where it is least expected and least deserved. That is now and always was the work of the body of Christ. Amen.